from the screen. But um, we are back. We're back, ATP. Uh, apologies, we are one day later than usual this week. But as you all know, we're in the Inland Empire and uh, Indian Wells is around the corner. So we're a little busy this week. Uh, Fig, how you feeling? Good. Uh, saw a couple matches and I'm excited. Yeah, this this is a great week, man. It's a it's been a good tournament as well. Yes. Um, this is episode seventy five. Where this is our three quarters of a century episode, something like that. I don't know. Uh, what are we talking about today, man? Well, let's get started. Especially since Indian Wells is around the corner, let's start with that. Is Indian Wells the most popular or most important of the Masters one thousands? Well, according to the L.A. Times. I'm just going to read it. It says, most likely there were discussions about Indian Wells because as of now, in October, the Shanghai Masters is going on in Asia. Yeah. So, Ellison, this is according to the LA Times. Yeah. Ellison maybe wrote a check. Maybe there were some screaming matches. But Indian Wells won the battle and got the date for October. Mm-hmm. And recently, Shanghai called off its tournament. It said that it did due to COVID-19 concerns. No need to read between the lines there. Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts? Do you think that Indian Wells has a lot of power to move tournaments? Um, I think me and you have both heard this statement in the past. We may have even have said it on this podcast. It's the fifth Grand Slam. Um, it is the fifth most prestigious tournament to me as far as the traditional tour goes. I feel like all the big players come to Indian Wells, male and female. And I mean, what tournaments are bigger than a 1000 that aren't a grand slam? This is a really important tournament. It it's, I have a lot of statistics as well to go behind it, but I want to let you finish what you're going to discuss on this. But uh, what do you think? I think uh, that it's it's big. I mean, everybody comes here. They love uh, Larry Ellison. They've loved what he's done at the tournament. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of doubles is played here. There are some interesting doubles uh, combos that are played here all the time. Roddick, who's part of uh, Tennis Channel, said that he loved playing here with Marty Fish because uh, of the fact that there's a lot of... Uh, time off it's one day play one day off mm-hmm. to whereas in the other masters 1000s it's just constant back-to-back mm-hmm. play so he said that he got to play and he enjoyed it um what makes a masters 1000 or what makes a tournament phenomenal or great what is it exactly that makes you think oh this tournament special well for one you have the venue number yeah. one uh second largest stadium number two with, well, which is Stadium One. I was going to say, but in general, <clears throat> like in number the two, separate. number two is the player's willingness to go and That's not important. and not miss. And a lot of the players love the tournament. Yeah, and they go out of their way to go to Indian Wells. Mm-hmm. So those are pretty two pretty big things right there. Yeah, um, I think you you kind of nailed it on the head there. And then the last one for me is also just locale. Where is it? Um, I think that also makes a tournament important. Um, a lot of these other tournaments, the biggest ones on earth, they're in very special places. Um, the U S opens obviously in New York, um, Wimbledon's in London or, uh, you know, the UK at the very least. And 
the French Open, obviously in France. Um, you know, these are these are major locations, and I think that for some reason, Southern California attracts players because it has phenomenal weather and climate. That and makes sense, and it's in a nice place. Uh, this is also why we just saw a 250 event with the lineup of a 500 event right. in San Diego. Um, I have a few stats I wanted to read off to you just to also add to it because I think what also makes a tournament phenomenal is how great are the matches there, right? Right. Um, the last decade at Indian Wells, every single winner has been a Grand Slam champion except for one. Wow. In the last decade, which means that it consistently has great finals or at least uh, the greatest players are always there. And they show out, you know, uh, people try hard. Yes. Uh, this isn't just a let me go collect my points and go. Um, I think Federer and Djokovic are tied for the, the most wins ever at Indian Wells. And on top of that, in the last decade, one of the big three have been in seven of the 10 years of the final. So I think the, the winners were Dominic Team, Del Potro. And I think in 2010, Lubitich. Yeah, Lubitich, won. yeah. Um, and that's it. Um, outside of that, the finals winners were Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, Del Potro, and Dominic Team. Right. That, that's all the winners of the last decade. And obviously, we've seen some big runs there from people like Stan Wawrinka and stuff like that. Every player who's won is a top five player as well uh, in the year they won. So that just goes to show you, if you go to Indian Wells, you're guaranteed to see a complete star playing tennis. Um, that's part of the reason we love to go is even if you casually go on a Tuesday first week, you're going to catch a complete Hall of Fame athlete there just casually, you know, whether it's on a practice court, a main court. It's insane. We skipped an Nadal match because there was so much other action happening at this tournament. So uh, just to answer your question, I think, yeah, this is this tournament holds some weight. Right. And as a matter of fact, the chairman of the ATP is also, as a matter of fact, thinking about, for example, Shanghai, Cincinnati, Montreal. Those tournaments have, as I stated before, they play every day. Mm. So now they're trying to have, they're trying to pass it to where the tournaments become 12-day events like Indian Wells in Miami. Mm. So they're trying to pass that and it's getting close to being passed. Wow. So I think that's interesting and maybe more players will be on, okay, let me go play or let me go. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, COVID has been the number one proof that when players don't enjoy the overall experience, they're just less inclined to do anything. Um, COVID has got its other, its own restrictions itself, but notice even with COVID happening, Indian Wells still managed to, it still happened this year. Right. That in itself is significant. Uh, this is a March tournament happening in October. That speaks volumes. So I'm impressed. Yes. Uh, moving on. Radicanya News. Now, this is pretty big because <clears throat> they were supposed to keep it on the hush as mm. far as the coach is concerned for Radicanya. Mm. But now there's rumors going around because the agent and the family have sort of identified and spoke to the press that they may go with Rodriguez. Carlos mm. Rodriguez, that is the former coach of Justine Ennin. He also coached Lee Na to one Grand Slam. Wow. So former coach of Lee Na, one Grand Slam, Justine Ennin, seven. Mm. 
do you think that's the right fit for Emma Raducanu? Yes, um, absolutely. I think that those are two WTA players that I really hold high up as far as regard and respect and reputation. I'm a big Lena fan and a huge Justine Hennon fan. So, and on top of that, those were two players that didn't really rely on athleticism so much as just phenomenal technique and tactics. Justine Hennon was competitive. She might have been the only truly competitive player on the tour against Serena in her prime. And then Lena, she came out the blue, just gung-ho firing. She should have had three slams, in my opinion. But, you know, that that's an awesome setup. That's a great condition. Right. Now, the problem here, though, is that there's a lot of coaches that are sort of saying, I don't know, there may be a lot of drama there, and I don't want to take on this job. One of them was Kamal Murray, who's the former coach of Sloan Stevens when she won her slam. Mm. And he was saying, it's going to take somebody special in order to coach her. Mm. There's too much drama there. Yeah. So, <clears throat> more news on her. Oh, yeah. For the record, Lena has two slams. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, she coached, he coached her to one. Yeah. Oh, yes. he was her coach yeah. during At, one. Yeah, during one. Oh, yes. okay. So, uh, moving on to more news. Now, a lot of people are sort of on the speculation of whether or not it was a big deal that Radakanyu lost early. Was it a big deal or not? Mm. Now, <clears throat> Murray said... Andy Murray, who stated, by the way, that he wants to continue with tennis once he retires. Mm -hmm. He said that he'd like to go into the coaching aspect of it instead yeah. of the commentating aspect. But he said he actually didn't see a big deal on Raducanu losing. He actually said that he saw the fall from grace happening. Mm -hmm. uh, Martina Navratilova said on Tennis Channel, she stated that Radakanya just doesn't handle, she doesn't know how to handle fame. Mm. And it's getting to her. Well, said and done. After she loses her first round match, she said, I'm actually glad that I lost this match. Now there is pressure off of me. Mm. So what side are you going to take? Are you taking the, it's not a big deal? Or are you taking the, wow, she needs to do something quick? Um, I don't think she necessarily needs to do something quick. I just need her to create a stable environment for herself. That's it. Um, whether that happens immediately or slowly will just determine how quickly she gets the results she wants. That's it. I think the game is there, but at her age, being a little spotty is okay to me. You know, having a phenomenal performance on one tournament and then losing on a tournament where the courts do play fairly slow. And you're a bit of a take the ball early, punch the ball, more winners type of player. Maybe you weren't supposed to win Indian Wells anyway. You know, that that's an alternate perspective. I think she should have went a little further. But all that aside, I'm not too concerned for her just because of this loss. I'm more concerned with what's happening with her off the court in general. The, the press is always out for a story and they're going to want her to be up there real quick regardless of whether or not she loses or wins and the fact that she won the u.s open and loses in the very next tournament in the first round mm. that's bad for her i mean in general you're right that yes. is bad and then we have to bring up igas viacek who again made it to the fourth round of indian wells yeah she's just consistent after winning her french open fourth round fourth round fourth round mm. so that's what 
that's the uh, results that she needs to have. She's now in the limelight. People are going to start knowing who she is. There's mm. going to be tactics on her and she needs to step it up. So moving on, Feliciano Lopez breaks a record. Now, I love this guy. He, he had 139 appearances in a Masters 1000, setting a new ATP record. Whew. What are your thoughts on the longevity on, of Feliciano Lopez? I'm a huge Feliciano fan. Um, I think that he's a backhand away from being an absolute Hall of Fame athlete, but it's a little too late for him to develop a phenomenal backhand now. So I love his game. I think his forehand is great. I think his serve is great. I think his volleys are great. I think he has a slap shot backhand and relies on his slice a little too much to have gotten just, he's right. He's knocking on the door of, you know, really making some dramatic runs in some tournaments in his career. But that hole in his game was just a little too big uh, for the era that he came up in. But yeah, he absolutely, it makes sense for me that he's breaking some kind of record you know, he's got a very graceful game. He's very smooth. He's not overly physical. He doesn't grind too hard. You know, he's got some bigger shots. So I think he's still fun to watch. And I respect the longevity. I mean, there was like a good stretch of five years where he was in like the quarters and third round of right. everything. Everything. So, yeah, he, he's doing great. Right. Um, I am shocked that he's actually played this long. And was able to hang with not really a driving backhand. Yeah. Uh, he slices a lot. He has the big lefty serve. Yeah. And that forehand that moves people around. And mm-hmm. uh, he he's a good player. And again, this is you stated, if he had the drive mm-hmm. on the backhand, he'd be maybe up there a little more. He would have at least have made a couple runs. Like right. a Wimbledon run, something. Right. He Especially with something. a serve. Yeah. Yeah. So it's unfortunate, but you yes. know, he's had a great career considering. <laughs> right. Now, uh, going back to the Radicani, I just picked up on something. So um, <clears throat> Federer also commented on Radicani stating that she needs to put the right people around her mm. and that she should really not pay attention to uh, social media. Mm-hmm. He said that social media in the early 2000s when he was great wasn't really that not important but around that much and unlike now to yeah. where it takes precedence to everything and people just can get on there and uh, what are your thoughts on what Feder stated yeah yes and no um Feder to me he can say how much less important social media was back then because that's a fact but because of who he is he's always been directly under a bright spotlight So he can't even really relate to what he's trying to convey and say, even though it's true what he's saying. Um, Now, if Federer were a bit more obscure, like a Feliciano Lopez, a Thomas Burdich. Yeah, Burdich definitely faced less media attention for even when he made his big runs in tournaments because social media wasn't as in the forefront. But someone like Federer, he always was susceptible to potential criticism potential um, scrutiny, things like that. And he just faced the adversity and was successful. Um, Radakanyu is in an era where the the spotlight can get shined on you a lot quicker, you know, and a little premature even. So I see what he's on to, but he, he doesn't know. He, 
he experienced the same potential opportunity to be criticized that she's getting right now. The difference was that I think he was a little more experienced, a little more professional, maybe a little bit more solid mentally. Yes, uh, he didn't make as many uh, coaches changing and all that as yeah. Radicani just did after winning the slam. He was a very stable guy. Right. You know, it was either no coach, a coach, or bringing this guy for this reason, let him go after I accomplish what I need to accomplish. Yeah. Made and uh, what what she's what he said as far as getting a team that mm-hmm. that part actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because we don't want her to fall, a la Coco not Coco Goff Naomi Osaka. Yeah, so it that makes perfect sense. Yeah, moving on, Murray news. Now we know that Murray <clears throat> beat Manorino in the first round. That's a great match too. That's Had a, a good war win. with. Carlos Alcaraz. Another great player. Three hours. Yeah. Three hours. And had a war with Zverev. War. War. Uh, seven, six in the third. Mm-hmm. Glued to my seat. Mm-hmm. If you did not see the match point, you need to go on YouTube and see it. It was just yeah. back and forth volleys. And then he finally uh, hooked it wide and he was not happy. Yeah. But a lot of people... In his press conferences, say you can't compete at the level due to your hip. Mm. And Murray says, "Well, I'm beating these top players. I'm right here. I'm not going to retire any anytime soon. Stop asking me that question." Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on people just consistently asking Murray about his hip and when he should retire? Uh, so here's the thing: he's beating players that Federer was losing to. Not that long ago. Um, Manorino gave Federer some problems notoriously. Um, Zverev, Sisipa, you know, these, all these guys in that class, they're giving Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic a run for their money. So the fact that we saw Andy Murray in a nail-biter against Zverev right after he had played a three-hour match against a guy with a great run at the U.S. Open... Tells me there's absolutely no reason on earth for me to question why he's on the tour right now. He's playing great tennis. He he lost that match in straight sets, but it was by fractions of points. I think he had a great tournament, and he's looking like he should be winning some 500s. That's the kind of tennis he's playing right now. Right. Um, a 1,000, I think he'll need a bit better of a draw. That's what's holding him back now. Um, I have a counter question for you. Uh, do you see Andy Murray going top 10 again? If he keeps up, if he keeps up this level, I'm gonna say yes. Mm-hmm. Now I did see a lot of holes in this game, which is with his first serve. Mm-hmm. He was a low first serve percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a toss problem, maybe, and he wasn't uh, pronating enough. Mm-hmm. So uh, if he can't win if he doesn't have a first serve, yeah. So if he fixes that part, he has he's moving well, mm-hmm. and he can make a run. Yeah, he looks good to me. I'm sold on it. I think he's sold on it. I think media is just looking for that narrative. That's right. all it is. Now, okay, uh, I'm sorry. I did. I said that he lost in three, but he lost in straights, correct? Yeah, it was straight sets. Okay, so my apologies for that one. And now the cute story. Murray lost his ring, and it was all over Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had tied it to his shoe, mm-hmm. and he left it in the parking lot of his hotel. Mm. Um, the very next day he went to Indian Wells security 
and they told him to file a report, a police report. Mm. And then once he did, then he went to the lost and found in the hotel and then it was found tied. Mm. The ring was tied to his shoe. And then he went on Instagram and said, oh, I got my smelly shoe and my ring. Yeah. So it was a cute little story, you know, out there for you guys to hear. It was all over the news. Mm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, good for Mary. Yeah. Also, now going on to the Indian Wells, we're not going to talk about it that much, but there are some highlights here and there. Mm. Medvedev won his 50th match at Indian Wells this tournament. Mm. And only Sissy Pass has more tournament wins than, or uh, wins this season than Medvedev. What are your thoughts? Do you have anything to add to that? Uh, I mean, it makes perfect sense. They're both having amazing years. They've they've been pretty steady in their performance the entire year. So all I can hope is they both stay healthy. Um, obviously, uh, we'll uh, we'll get to Cece Pa's highlights of his year in a moment here. But uh, yeah, they've both looked amazing. Um, this has been a good Indian Wells tournament without the big three. Yes, I agree one hundred percent. It's been a good tournament. Yes, and then Rudd today mm-hmm. who's on fire he had his chance to win his 50th match today against diego schwartzman mm-hmm. but he lost yeah so th- these are uh, three players that are on fire right now absolutely so they deserve a lot of credit <clears throat> also we have hold on sorry about that while you're at it uh, i just want to state that gail monfee is playing Zverev and getting his butt kicked tonight so, hopefully, uh, he makes it a real match because he's down 1-6. He lost the first set. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, we have Sasnovich, who is really not heard of, but she beat Radakanyu, backed it up by beating Halep as well. Wow. So, that's a nice uh, victory. So, that needs to be recognized as well. Is she still in the draw? No, she lost in the third round. But the okay. fact that she beat two players that are up there, and she backed it up. Yeah, that that makes uh, Radakanyu be able to say, "Hey, maybe it wasn't me. You know, maybe she was that good." Right. That's nice for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a uh, Berrettini. We had Taylor Fritz, who has not had a top ten win in two years. Yeah. Beat Berrettini. I'm a Taylor Fritz fan. Yeah, I, I am. Yeah. I think he has a pretty full game. Um, maybe a little bit of leaning backs in his game. Maybe the footwork can be spotty. But I think he has an amazing serve, a lot of pop on the forehand. And he's a decent mover. He's kind of got this very build. Yes. Um, I'm a little curious why he hasn't been more successful. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a little puzzled by that, why he isn't like a consistent top 20 player. My, my uh, guess and what I see is his movement. He doesn't have the movement. Yeah. He has power off of both wings. Yeah. He has a pretty big serve, but the movement sometimes, you know, it's not there. Yeah, that's where the probably the back foot I'm seeing comes yes. into play. Right. Mm. And then on the woman's side, we have Pagula, who beat um, uh, Svitolina. Yeah. And that's her seventh top 10 win this year. And that was a double breadstick win, by the way. Correct. 6-1, 6-1. Six, one, six, six, one. So wow. that's an impressive stat within itself. She's also getting married. She talked about... Um, not having time to plan for her wedding while playing in tennis paradise. <laughs> so I thought that was a nice little story as well. Wow. So now we're going to get to the big story, which is Stefano Sissipas. 
Oh, the legend himself. The legend. Now, he made a nice little cheeky comment in the beginning of the tournament. Mm. And if you want to play it. It's very dry here. We know that when we come here, the conditions are very dry. That is good for me because I guess uh, I sweat less, which uh, makes for less bathroom breaks, uh, which makes for uh, less complaints. So, good, very good sign so far. <laughs> this guy. So, he, he's trying to be a clown. But here, he was in a little drama with Fabio Fognini. Now, Fognini was complaining to the chair umpire that... Sissy Pass were receiving coaching by his dad yep. in Greek. And then Fognini got, he started cussing in Italian, Fognini. Mm. I guess apparently the chair umpire knew Italian or knows Italian. He got a point penalty or a point, uh, sorry, a, uh, a warning for uh, cussing in Italian. Fognini lost his mind. All of a sudden, he, went, he, he stopped playing. He walked up to the chair and said, why don't you give him a point penalty for his dad coaching him? Mm. The, the chair umpire said, I got it. Don't worry about it. Didn't do anything. So Stefano Sissipas, anywhere he goes, he finds drama. Mm. Then at the end of the match, he tried shaking the hand and Fabio Fagnini was not having it. It appeared that Stefano Sissipas was trying to explain what was really happening with mm. the dad. And Fagnini just said, Get away from me. Yeah. What are your thoughts on uh, Sissy Pass and just drama always following that guy? Yeah, I think that it's a mix of two things. It's a mix of him winning and a mix of him doing it in a way that the rest of the tour does not approve of. If he was getting his butt kicked at all his matches, no one would care. You know, but it's the fact that he's also beating people while doing it. Yeah, I don't. I mean, is his dad that amazing of a coach? He's changing matches. I don't know. I have no idea, but it's, I have a hard time believing that his dad is the reason he's winning everything. Um, so it's annoying, yes, but at the same time, you still have to respect CC Pop for consistently beating these guys who let this get in their head. So That makes a lot of sense, yeah. yeah. He gets in people's head, and once he gets in their head, it, it's a done deal. Yeah, it doesn't even matter what the co his dad's saying anymore. They're, they're pissed, you know, and maybe they're getting a little less patient. They're making more mistakes. They're distracted. They're losing concentration. And you know what? CC Pop, if you could have did that to Djokovic, maybe you would have won that slam. At the French <laughs> Open, yes. Exactly. Yeah, so it's so, interesting. So that's an interesting fact. And just a real quick, uh, Patrick Margulu is sort of an, an advisor to Sissy Pass's dad. So he basically comes up with a plan. Ah. And then uh, the dad relays it, basically. That's interesting. If you haven't seen it, He's in this box right now. Is he? Yes, at Indian Wells. That. So he's in this box. Uh, it was sort of talked about at the U.S. Open. And uh, that's what they, they were asked if uh, the relationship between Margulu and Sissy Pass. And he sort of explained it. Mm. So I thought that was an interesting fact to, for you guys to know. Yeah. So with that, we conclude this episode. And I hope you guys were entertained. ATP. Home sweet home.